Good morning. My name is Mark. Hi, my name is Hayden. I'm Paul. My name is Diana Nichols, and I'm an artist. My name is Melinda. My name's uh, Rich. My name's Ryan, and these are my chickens. My name is Mike. Hi, my name is Zach. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bree, and I love coffee. Like, I totally love it. I, I, it's a problem. Probably the craziest thing I ever did was I put a backpack on and bought a one-way ticket to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Goal was to live there for one year, and I did it. Uh, this is my friend Lucy. She's a dog. I'm heading to the office. So I'm doing my best to cut back those, and uh, this is my first cup today. So I have a pregnant wife and a pregnant goat, both do at the same time, and I'm trying to figure out where do I end up when the birthing happens. Uh, I love infomercials. Uh, God took Lisa and uh, me to uh, Vietnam to adopt our daughter. I bought a few products and my wife's not very happy about that. And I am a lifetime U2 fan. And I'm a cosmetology student. My life changed when? My life changed when? And my life changed when? 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 And my life changed when? And my life changed when? My life changed when? Well, good morning, Grace Church, Medina East Campus. Man, it's good to see you guys, and it's good to see you in this room. How cool is that? Man, this is so cool and so weird. I love it. And when you guys came in, man, doesn't the cafe look awesome? And this auditorium looks awesome, and you guys look awesome. And yeah, you're welcome. And this is, oh, hey, I appreciate that. And this stage, the stage is so big, I do not even know what to do with myself. This is kind of crazy. I'm going to have to start stretching before I preach now, so, man, this is just awesome, and so excited to see you guys here this morning at Grace Church. If you're new here this morning, I apologize a little bit. This is actually our first Sunday in this new auditorium, and so we're a little excited about that, uh, but if you are new, the one thing that all of us have in common in this room today is that this is a brand new experience for everybody. And so we're all kind of in that same boat together, and we're excited um, about that. Um, in light of the fact that we're opening a new, our, our uh, new auditorium has opened now, we're kind of in this space, I do want to make mention of something that Sarah Beth did not mention that you found in your programs, and that is on March 1st, um, you're, you're not going to want to miss this, we're going to have kind of a building dedication time, sort of a building dedication service that's going to happen on March 1st. And again, the details are in your program. But essentially what we're going to do is we're going to come together on that evening. Um, we're going to get a chance to kind of sing together, uh, get a chance to hear from Pastor Jeff, who's the senior pastor uh, here at Grace Church, and from myself. And really kind of what our hope is that evening is we want to take some time just to say thanks to God. Um, thanks for the past couple of years of what he's done here at the Medina East Campus. Um, thanks for this building and, and just the incredible privilege that it is that we have this. Uh, but more importantly, of course, than just saying thanks to God, we also want to take some time to dedicate um, ourselves and our ministries and this building to our community and to the work of God. And so some of you know that at Grace Church, you probably hear us say this all the time, uh, that we believe that the church was not given to the church. We believe that the church was given to the world. And that God, uh, the reason that God puts a church in a community is because he loves that community and he wants to shower the love of Jesus on that community and uh, we're agents of that love. And so we wanna take that time, not only to dedicate ourselves in the ministry and thank God for this building, but also to, to kind of restate our vision and our passion uh, to be used by God in the communities places. And so one of the cool things we're going to be doing that night is we're going to be engaging in a creative prayer together. And so when you come in that evening, we're going to sing together. Like I said, you're going to hear from myself and Pastor Jeff. And we're going to have a bunch of stones here. 
and we're going to have some Sharpie markers, and I want you to take those. We actually want to literally write prayers on those stones, prayers for our community, prayers for our ministries, prayers for those who, who you have that you love in your life who uh, maybe are in a place where they're disconnected with God. And then we're going to take those stones and collectively put them kind of in a creative design, and we're going to display that out in our cafe. Let me just show you a picture of kind of what we're thinking this might look like. This is just basically a way for us to be able to point at something and say, man, look at what God has done. Let's remember what God has done over the past couple of years. But it's also a reminder to us of why God put us here. And, and of course, we believe that it's a great privilege uh, to be at this campus, but we also uh, deem it a great responsibility that God's entrusted us with this incredible building, with these incredible ministries, and with each and every single one of us. That God loves Medina, he loves his community, and we can kind of serve it together. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. Mark your calendars that March 1st. Uh, we'll get a chance to kind of come out and do that. Um, together. So we're excited about the, the opening of our new auditorium. Um, and I will just say that uh, it is our first Sunday, and so I apologize if there happens to be any glitches. And so if the screen just falls mid-service or if one of the musicians spontaneously catches on fire, um, don't worry too much. Okay, it'll be okay. It's just kind of a, a normal Sunday. And, uh, and so we're going to iron out some details as we kind of get acquainted to our space. But we're also really excited because this Sunday marks the beginning of a brand new series that we're calling My Life Changed when and uh, this is a very unique series and it's unlike anything that we've ever done in grace church history and uh, and so this is a series that all of our grace church campuses are doing together it kind of is a united effort together some of you might know that grace church is a little bit weird um, in this in that we are technically one church that exists in four locations and so we have four campuses we're kind of a multi-campus structure and so we believe that kind of the way that god has called us to grow is by developing campuses that make campuses. And so part of what you're experiencing here this morning at Grace Church is really just one experience that's inside of a greater experience um, that is Grace Church. And so this morning, you are sitting in uh, one of four campuses that Grace Church has in the greater Akron area, and you are sitting in one of 13 services that's provided each weekend um, by Grace Church. Uh, over Christmas Eve services uh, this year, um, our Christmas, or I should say last year, our Christmas Eve services between all of our campuses, we had just under 8,000 people in attendance. And so you are literally part of something that's much bigger than you can imagine. And we believe that that's the way that God has called us to grow. Um, some of you may have heard, if you've been around for a while, our vision, uh, one of the major vision statements that we have is that we want to see 30 campuses planted and growing in 30 years. 30 campuses in 30 years. And that's a major heartbeat um, of our church as we grow. Now, the reason we decided to grow that way, uh, rather than simply, you know, building up one big church in one location, is because we believe that God has called us as a church um, to a movement, to a movement that, that, that ex expands past any one personality, um, to a movement that extends past one particular location, and we believe that that's kind of the way that God has called us and structured us together. And so one of the things that we found as we've been developing more campuses and as we've been growing more campuses is we found that the collective power, right, that the, the firepower that we have together when we unite as a multi-campus structure is exponential in its effect. And I can just tell you guys, being a campus pastor now for the past couple of years here at Medina, I have witnessed firsthand the insurmountable benefit of being part of a multi-campus structure. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Between all the ministries and all the campus pastors and our different campuses, we are constantly sharpening each other. 
We are constantly sharing ideas with each other. We are constantly stealing ideas from each other. Or I should say, Pastor Jeff is always stealing my ideas. And that's kind of the way that, that works. But we're, we're always working together. And it's amazing to see the collective firepower that we can bring when we, when we bring our campuses um, together. One of the more recent examples of how we've seen that collective firepower at work would be our Barberton campus. And so if you guys were here last week, you may, you may have heard us talking about this. Last weekend was the soft launch of our Barberton campus. And those guys were able to start with over 100 people. And the reason they were able to start uh, with that number right out of the gate was because we were able to leverage the firepower of a campus structure. And so Pastor Jeff Martell, the campus pastor there, uh, was able to take a group of people from Norton with him along with a group of people from the Bath campus, as well as some people from the Medina East campus. And he was able to launch the Barberton campus. And there, there's just, there again, just a small analogy of how the collective firepower of a multi-campus structure um, can, can bear exponentially um, some effects in some pretty amazing ways. Uh, for those of us who are part of the Medina campus, we've seen this, right? And you think back a couple years ago when we first started the Medina campus, and we saw the collective firepower when God's people unite together. And so some folks from the Bath campus, some folks from the Norton campus, and then there was a church that was here that actually existed in this building called the Shepherd's Grace Church, an amazing group of people. And we decided to collaborate together and form what is now known as the Medina East campus. And once again, the insurmountable power of being able to leverage uh, kind of the structure of God's people together. It's just unbelievable. So that kind of brought this interesting conversation. Campus pastors get together about once a week and we sit down together and we try to tackle big projects and big ideas. And we had this crazy conversation a couple months ago. And basically we said this, we said, what if we took the collective firepower that we have as kind of a multi-campus structure and what if we brought that to bear on a sermon series? We said, what if we did this spring for the first time ever, we did something kind of strange and we did an all campus sermon series in which we were able to leverage um, not only the gifts and talents of our, of our multi-campuses, but also the people of Grace Church um, to really make an impact in our communities. And so it was out of that, that this idea of my life changed uh, series was birthed. So let me explain to you a little bit how the series is gonna work. All right, so basically what we're doing, all of our campuses are doing this series together. And, and our campus pastors are, are literally going to shuffle through our campuses. And so you're going to get a chance to not only hear from me, but you're also going to get a chance to hear from our other campus pastors live in person. They're going to come visit the campus. And if you guys don't know our other campus pastors, they are amazing. They're not nearly as attractive as I am. Sorry about that. But they are amazing, phenomenal communicators. And if you guys know these guys, you'll love them. Uh, they're phenomenal. And we're going to get a chance to hear from each one of us. In addition to that, what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be talking about the moments that God oftentimes uses as pivotal points, as life-changing moments. We're going to kind of highlight those things, and then we're going to challenge every person who's part of Grace Church to share their My Life Changed When story. And we thought, man, if we can do that, can you imagine the effect that that might have on our community, on the greater Akron area, if we could leverage the firepower of Grace Church as we kind of do this series together? It was interesting, I heard Pastor Jeff talking about this and we were brainstorming about my life changed when, and he was talking about um, the gift that God has given each one of us, that each one of us has a story that's unique to each one of us, and it's a gift that God has given us. And as Jeff was talking about that, and we were preparing for this series, uh, myself and the other campus pastors, we actually asked Jeff, we said, Jeff, would you be willing to document and record um, kind of the, the heartbeat of this series? 
And would you allow us to share that with all of our campuses? And so this morning, we're going to do something really strange, kind of something we've never really done before. Uh, we're going to show, I want to show you a video of Pastor Jeff. And this is a video that we're showing at all of our campuses this morning, all of our campuses. And this is kind of the heartbeat behind the My Life Changed When story. So I want to invite you to watch this video with me. And after it's finished, I'm going to get back up. I'll give you some next steps of some things to expect in this series and how we can kind of move forward um, together. All right. So let's watch this video together as we talk about my life changed when. So when we start thinking about this idea of my life changed when series, I want to, I want to talk for a few minutes about the power of our God-given story. And this is something that we don't think about all the time. Uh, but I think it's this amazing gift that God gives us, that he gives us an individualized story that's unique to you and unique to me, and he gives that to us so that uh, we can relate to people, so that we can uh, communicate the truth of the gospel in kind of nuanced ways, and so that even you and I can be assured that uh, Christ has been active and, and uh, pursuing us through, through our lives. So when you look at the Bible, there's this interesting pattern in the Bible of God doing this. Uh, you kind of see story after story after story. In a lot of ways, uh, the Bible is full of biographies, right? So the Old Testament will tell stories of people, and then it happens in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible as well, where there's, there's uh, a, a, an accounting of someone's life, and then oftentimes in this process, you'll see at kind of the end of their story that they will do the math that God took them on this path and God brought them through this process so that they could do something that God created them uniquely to do. So there's a, there's a bunch of these instances in the Bible. I'll just show you a, a few of them. So for instance, in the Bible, there's a man named Joseph in the, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. Maybe you know his story really well. Maybe you don't know his story, but I'll, I'll recap it for us real quick. So Joseph was a guy who grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, he was a, uh, born into a blended family, and uh, he was raised with stepbrothers. His stepbrothers hated him passionately, and he was the favorite son of their father and his father. So huge sibling rivalry issues, huge interpersonal issues. Dysfunction Junction was kind of Joseph's home. When Joseph was a teenager, his stepbrothers hated him so much that one, one day they came up with this plan to fake his death and sell him into slavery to the nation of Egypt, right? So you think your sister's crazy, right? This, this is family crazy at its worst. They pull off this plan. They go back. They tell their dad, Joseph's dad, that he was killed by a wild animal Joseph is sent into slavery. He's sold as a slave into Egypt. He's serving there as a slave. While there, he's falsely accused by his slave owner's wife of something. He's put in jail as an innocent man. Long series of events. Joseph has, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt has a dream. God gives Joseph the ability to interpret it. He comes out of jail. He winds up being the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, right? So he's vice Pharaoh. His brothers come to him because they need food. There's a famine and Egypt had food and the rest of the region didn't. They come to him for food. They don't recognize him. 
Joseph is at this moment of his life, second most powerful man in the world. He could have executed them. He could have tortured them. He could have destroyed their lives. Instead, long story short, he forgives them, restores them into relationship with him, gets reconnected with his dad, moves the whole family to Egypt so they have plenty to eat and, uh, and a comfortable way of life. And in the end of Joseph's story, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says this, fascinating. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done. When Joseph looked at his life and Joseph looked at his story, he realized that, that God had woven this together and God had given him something. He had given him a gift in which he was uniquely able to express the heart and the mind of God to his brothers and then to everyone watching around him. He was uniquely able to lead on behalf of the Lord. He was uniquely able to relate to people's pain on behalf of the Lord. He was uniquely able to demonstra demonstrate the forgiving, graceful, compassionate heart of God to his brothers. And he did all the math. He looked at his brothers and he said, you, you had no idea what you were doing but God knew the whole time. God gave me a story. He gave me a life journey. And he gave that to me so that I could do the good that God intended for me to do. There's a guy uh, in the New Testament. This, this pattern is all through the Bible. But there's a guy in the New Testament. Uh, we call him the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul started off as a guy who hated Christians and hated Jesus. In fact, his job, literally his job, was to go kill Christians, right? And so that's what he was doing. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. Jesus shows up in this supernatural way on a road called the, uh, the road to Damascus. He interacts with Paul in the supernatural way. Paul begins to believe in Christ. He begins to accept kind of fully who Jesus is, his love for him. And then he becomes one of the great apostles or one of the great promoters of who Jesus is and his gospel and his message. So all through the book of Acts in the New Testament, you see the apostle Paul explaining to people of the Jewish, Jewish heritage, which was Paul's heritage as well, what God had done in his life. He was explaining his story about how he was uniquely prepared, he was uniquely trained, he, uh, he uniquely adopted their culture. And then he would tell the story of how he was converted on the Damascus Road and how God had uniquely worked in his life from there. So from the time of his conversion forward, Paul taught about Jesus and that caused him to be persecuted. People wanted to kill him. He wound up being shipwrecked on an island and some amazing things happened there. He wound up being put into jail and some amazing things happened there. And Paul wound up using another part of his story, which is that he, is, he was a Roman citizen. He used that to be able to share the story and the love of Jesus up into the highest echelons of Roman power. You get to the book of, uh, of Acts chapter 26, and Paul is standing before uh, this man named King Agrippa, who's a Roman ruler. And you'll, if you read the chapter, I encourage you to do that, read the chapter, you'll hear him go back and he'll recount his whole story. He kind of goes from childhood all the way to the present moment. And Paul in that moment recognized that God had given him 
a story, a story that was uniquely his, a story that allowed him to uniquely be able to interact with the Jew and the Gentile, to relate to the the guy in jail and the jailer who put him there. And he saw all of that as a gift. He looked and, and said, God, you've given this to me, you've entrusted it to me, and I'm gonna use it to proclaim your name and to help people know about your love and hope and salvation. Uh, there's another guy in the Bible. Jesus interacted with this guy in uh, John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus and his disciples are walking through this uh, one part of town. And they come across what the Bible calls a man born blind. And his disciples say, um, uh, why is this man blind? Did his parents sin or did he sin? Why is he being punished by not having any eyesight? And Jesus says to his disciples, neither he was born blind for the glory of God. So Jesus reaches out, heals this fellow, right, from being blind. Now he can see. The Jewish leadership gets all honked off at Jesus about it because they're looking for a reason to arrest him and kind of put him, uh, quiet his message. They bring the man's parents in front of them and demand an answer. His parents basically disowned him. And then they bring the man himself before Jesus, or, or before the, the Jewish officials, and say, what happened? Tell us the story of what's going on. In fact, it's fascinating. If you got your Bible, flip over to John chapter 9 real quick. I love this guy's answer. It's one of the best answers in the whole Bible. The man is drugged before kind of this religious court. And he says in John chapter 9, look down at verse 24, It says, a second time they summons the man who was blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And the man born blind says this in verse 25. Look at it. He says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And then they ask him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And then he goes on and he tells the story of what happened. This man born blind looked and and very quickly he did some math. And he he looked back at this religious court and said, listen, I don't know the deal, but here's my story. I've been blind since birth. And I've been sitting out there begging at the temple gates since birth. And this fellow walked across me. He reached out, he healed me. And I can see, and that's my story. And it's hilarious when it goes on. They say, well, tell us what happened. And the man born blind looked at them and said, why, do you want to believe in him too? Right? Here's my story. Isn't that amazing? Do you want God to work in your life this way as well? And this pattern, we could go on and on and on. I, I, could, I could stand here for a week and, and talk about this. That story after story after story where the people of God were able to look back and recognize, oh, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, and it happened to me because God was giving me something. God was entrusting me with my pain and my joy and and the details of my life so that I could serve him and help other people to relate to him. I have a unique story that's uniquely mine. Now, it's fascinating. God kind of speaks to this in a different way in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And that's where I really want us to camp here, Ephesians chapter 2. So flip over in your Bibles. 
to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs, and the page number is up on the screen. And uh, if you use an electronic device, we use the version app, so you can open that up and look at it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and this is what God says here. Let's look at this together. He says in verse 8, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, ready, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible is very, very clear that we receive our salvation by grace through faith. We don't earn it. It's gifted to us by God. And God looks at us. He loves us. He reaches out to us when we accept his offer of forgiveness. We have the salvation then that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And when that happens in my life, my life is transformed and my mind is transformed. And one of the things that happens when my life is transformed is I start to look at the circumstances of my life differently. I look at my story and I would look and say, well, God saved me by grace and he gave me my story. He has created me in Christ and prepared me in advance to do good works. He has equipped me. He has readied me. He has taken me on a journey so that now As someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, I can uniquely serve him and I can uniquely communicate who Christ is and what he has done in my life. God gives us our salvation and then he redeems all of our life's journey and he he weaves it all together, giving us this story that's uniquely ours so that we can in turn point people to the very salvation that we were gifted, see? God does all of this. He, he sees us, he saves us, he redeems us, he has taken us on a life journey, he created us in our mother's womb, he makes our personalities, he decides what families we're gonna be attached to, he gives us spiritual gifts, he writes a story for us and with us so that we can use it to bring glory to him and to help other people know him in a unique way. And this is God's plan all along, right? This is what he says in verse 10. We, were, uh, we are uh, created to do good works by Christ, which God prepared in advance for us to do. My life is not an accident. My story is not an accident. The joy of my life, the success of my life, the pain of my life is not an accident. It's a tool. It's a gift It's an opportunity given to me by God. So through this series, what we're asking is kind of this. What what is your life-changed-when story? When you look back and say, it's at this moment that I encountered Jesus in a powerful way. Maybe it was for salvation. Maybe it's another time of life, even after you accepted Christ, that you can look back and say, this... This moment in my life was a pivotal moment. Literally, my life changed when God allowed or God wrote or God provided this part of my life's journey. 
And when we look back at our life-changed win story, you can look and say, wow, that's something that's unique to me. God gave me that moment. God, God interacted with me in this special way right here. And I want to tell that. I want to tell of God's love. I want to tell maybe of God's power. I want to tell of God's salvation because that's something that God has entrusted me with and has given me a unique opportunity to help other people know him in a special way. I just, to try to explain this a little bit, I just want to tell you a few of my life-changed-win stories, okay? So uh, I grew up in a, a very religious home, a very religious uh, church. I have a strong background in religion, right? So we went to church three or four times a week. I went to a Christian school. I memorized the Bible for credit every week because we had to take tests on it. I knew the Christian subculture. I knew how to function in it. I knew how to keep the rules. I did not know what it meant to love, follow, and be defined by God. I just knew how to practice religion. Okay, ready? My life changed when I was a junior in college. And I was sitting in a soccer field one night. I had talked with a bunch of my friends who were also college students. I saw the authenticity and the passion of their relationship with Christ and recognized that I didn't have it. And I went after a Bible study with them. I went into a soccer field and I started praying to God. And I realized that I was either going to have to follow God with all of my heart or abandon everything that I had ever been raised in. Because when it comes to Jesus, it's either true or it's false. And in that moment in my life, I realized I did not want to walk away from God. I wanted to believe. I wanted to have faith. And I knew that that meant that I would need to yield all of my life to Christ. And my life changed when God interacted with me in a soccer field in a powerful way. And my life has never been the same since. And I'm so grateful God loved me enough to do that. Another time that my life changed was uh, years later after Heidi and I were married and our first son, Josiah, was born. My life changed when my first son was born. And I remember watching Heidi give birth to Josiah and I remember looking at him with my own eyes for the first time and all of that parental instinct and love just exploded in me. And all of you who are parents kind of know what I mean. It just exploded in me, and my love for my son was something I had never experienced before, and it was an absolute life changer. My life changed when he was born, and I began to realize that God loved his son more perfectly than I loved mine, and allowed his son to come live suffer and die for me. The realization of the depth of God's love absolutely changed my life. I never understood the love of a father before because I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I love my children, right? I, I love you guys, but I love my children. So if, if you were in a burning house and they were in a burning house, I would run into that burning house. I'd get my kid. I, I'd just be honest with you. I'll miss you. I love you. I'll miss you. <laughs> but I'm going to get my kids because it's an instinct. I can hardly stop myself, right, from loving my child that way. 
the realization that God stopped himself, that Jesus' his son was on the cross, he could have stopped it, he could have made it all go away, but God loved me so much that he gave his only son to die for me. My life changed when my first child was born and all that realization hit me. My life changed when my parents died. Uh, Heidi and I, we talk about the, the decade of death in our marriage. And in a seven or eight year period, we lost her mother to cancer. My father and mother both died a year apart. My mom and dad lived with Heidi and I for almost 10 years before they died. So it was this, this tremendous loss to myself and my my children and Heidi, right? My life changed when they died. To that point in my life and even since, I have never gone through that level of emotional pain, ever. It was absolutely gut-wrenching. And it devastated me and Heidi and it devastated our children who only knew life with their grandparents in their home with them. My life changed when they died, right? My life changed when uh, I succeeded Pastor Bob Combs as a senior pastor of Grace Church. That was a wonderful thing. It, it's one of the greatest privileges of my life. My life changed when that happened. When God put that call on my life, when God helped me, when God empowered me, when God, right? My life changed when that dream came true. So the question is, what is, what is your life changed when story, right? God has given each of us a life changed when story. And these stories are sometimes painful. Uh, sometimes they're joyful, right? It's a, it's a dream coming true. It's a child being born. Sometimes it's even in the mundane. My life changed when I got a new job. My life changed when, you know, this happened. It, it doesn't have to be sensational, but it's yours. And God has given it to you and he did it he gave it to you for you to be able to tell other people about Christ and his love he prepared that in advance right Ephesians 2:10 in advance for you to do so that you can do the work that you were created and you were saved by grace to do and have been called to do god does that he takes all that pain all of our joy, all of our life's moments, and he gives them to us, and then we, in turn, utilize them to help other people know God's love and to lead them to a relationship with him. And when you start thinking about your life story, this is how it works, right? I can, I can uniquely relate to a person who grew up in religion but never loved Christ. I can uniquely relate to that because that's my story. I understand those of us who, who do that, right? I, I can uniquely relate to a parent, the joy of parenting and the pain of parenting. Those of us who have lost a child or those of us who have a child that's walked away from the Lord, I can't, because God gifted me with children, I have a unique sympathy, a unique connection to parents, right? Um, I have a, a unique compassion for people who have lost their parents. Uh, Heidi and I realize that one of the reasons God gifted us with that pain 
is so that we can help other people go through it because it's incredibly painful and it's life-changing and it's confusing. God gave me that so I can use it to bring glory to him. Uh, I, can, I can uniquely interact with a young leader and I can assure them that you should be patient, that you should be humble, that you should learn, that you should receive mentorship, right? Because I, I was Pastor Bob's associate pastor for 15 years until my hope and my goal and my dream came true, right? So whether it's positive or negative, God uniquely took you on that journey, prepared you in advance to uniquely serve him, knowing that you have received Christ as a savior by grace through faith, you've been saved, called out, and then uniquely equipped, uniquely entrusted, and uh, uniquely made ready to do the work that God has prepared for you to do. God's given you a story, right? It's given every one of us a story. Every single person in this room has been given a story. And he's given us a story, and that story is mine. It's unique to me. Only you live your life. God gave it to you. And that story is full of joy and pain and achievement and disappointment. And that story is meant for your good and for the good of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Your pain is never pointless. Your joy is never pointless. The mundane of life is never pointless. God is writing a script and he's giving you something that you can use uh, for, for his kingdom and to bring him glory and attention. So our story's meant to be shared, right? It's a gift, it's a tool that helps us be the ambassador that Christ says every Christian is to be. And so as we started thinking about the My Life Changed When series, uh, we thought, wouldn't it be fun if all of Grace Church started telling those stories? If we told the My Life Changed When story and we utilize, kind of collectively, we utilize what God has given us and we utilize it to build the kingdom of God and to advance the message of Jesus Christ. So that's really what we're going to be doing over this series and I think it's going to be a blast and it's going to be so much fun to celebrate together our stories and to watch God bring this enormous return because of it. You know, guys, when I think about my story and I think about um, my life and kind of look back on it, it, there's nothing about it to me that seems particularly special because it's my life, right? So it just seems kind of normal to me when I think about it. But when I think about some of the stuff Pastor Jeff talked about today and I think about those my life changed when moments, the pivotal points that God used, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and if you know my story, there is good, there is bad, and then there's a lot of ugly in there too. And when I think about how God has used those moments, it makes me realize um, that I really do have a unique story. I have a unique story that's unlike anybody else's. And the truth is, um, so do you. A and the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the pain, the regret, the joy, um, the excitement that you face in life is, is uniquely yours. It is a story um, that has been written through your life. And the question that we want to investigate through this series that we want you to consider is what if your story 
is not simply your history, but what if it's a gift? What if it's a tool that God has given you that he wants to use to leverage to glorify himself? What if your story is something that God wants to use uniquely, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. To connect with other people in your lives, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends, so that, so that the glory of God could be demonstrated through you. And of course, what you're going to find in this series is that exact, that is exactly what we believe. We believe that your story is something that God wants to use to leverage for the sake of his glory, and that he can use that as, as a tool to, to show his love in powerful ways. For some of you, when you look back at your story and you think about it, um, it's full of a lot of regret. And, and you look at it, and for some of you, you're embarrassed to share it. But the truth of the matter is, we don't, we don't think that God wastes those things. I don't think for a moment that God wastes pain. I don't think for a moment that God wastes joy. I, I think that God wants to use those things to glorify himself if we're willing to allow him to. And so in this series, what we want to do is we want to just talk about that. We want to talk through in the next several weeks the moments that God oftentimes uses as pivotal points in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we want to talk about those in a way to, to hopefully kind of stir your heart and to get you in tune with your story and to get you to imagine what would it look like if you owned your story and you actually believe that God has uniquely given it to you so that you can utilize it to glorify him in your life, okay? So at this time, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they settle in, I just want to close um, in the next couple of minutes here with two challenges, two quick challenges for two specific audiences, all right? So the first audience that I want to challenge are for those of us who would say um, that we follow Christ, all right? So for those of us who would say we believe in God, we follow Jesus, we're Christians, right? Uh, here's my challenge, okay? My challenge is that through this series, we want you, and this is a challenge we're giving to all of our campuses, to share your story, to share your My Life Changed When story. If you guys notice in your programs, you had a card that looks like this when you came in. If you want to grab that real quick, I'm just going to walk us through this card real, real, real fast. But this is some practical steps in how we're hoping collectively at all of our campuses to share our My Life Changed When story. All right, so you'll notice, I'll just walk us through it. The first thing you'll notice on here, five easy steps. First thing, think of a defining moment that, you know, it's really funny. I just realized there's only four steps on here. So here's the five easy steps. So easy. So easy, in fact, that there's four. Okay, so think of, a, think of a defining moment that God used to change your perspective on life. And remember, the point, the point of this story is God. Okay, so when you review your life, think about a time that God used a moment, a circumstance to utterly change your perspective on the way you view life. Now, once again, we've talked about this. This can be a good thing, a joy-filled thing, an exciting thing. This can be a painful thing, a hard thing, a regretful thing, all right? But think about that time that God has changed your life. Now, there's probably more than one, and that's fine. We'll talk about that here in a second. All right, here's the second thing. Shoot a video telling other people about that moment and how it changed your life, okay? So you can use your phone or your webcam or your computer or whatever. It doesn't need to be high quality, nothing like that, nothing edited, uh, just a quick video of you explaining that moment. My life changed when this happened. My life changed um, when my son was born. My life changed when I got married. My life changed when my secret came out. My life changed when uh, my relationship was destroyed, whatever it might be. But my life changed in that moment. So share that. Notice this. Be brief. Okay, think 90 seconds or less. All right. So don't go for two hours telling your story. I know we got time for that. And so just... <laughs> 
film it quick and make it 90 seconds. And then this next thing, upload and post your video to your preferred social media website. Okay, so Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, film that, post it, all right? Throw it up there. Now, I know for, for some of you, that step sounds very intimidating because when you think about posting a video of how God worked in your life, you immediately go through the, the list of people who are on your friend list. And you start thinking about the people you went to high school with or the people that you go to school with or your, fam your family members. And for some of you, the thought of, man, what are they going to think if I post this up on, on, my, on my Facebook page or on my Twitter? What are they going to think about that? And listen, this is what I think is one of the most valuable things about this series, all right? One of the things that we often will talk about at Grace is we'll say uh, oftentimes that our faith, for those of us who believe in Jesus, the Bible's pretty clear about this, that our faith is a personal thing. It is personal, but it is never supposed to be private. And, and we believe that God has given each one of us a story because he wants to glorify himself through it. And so, and so one of the greatest things you can do with your faith is go public. Right? And this isn't in an abrasive way. This isn't in a belligerent way. This isn't in a condescending way. It's just in a matter of fact way. Man, God has changed my life. And my life changed because God has interacted with me. And we believe um, that the love of God is intended not to be hoarded, but to be shared. For some of you right now, you follow Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You believe that he has saved you, but nobody knows that. Your family doesn't know that. The people you work with would have no idea. They'd be surprised if they knew that. And listen, I believe that it's an incredibly crucial step in your faith to share that story. I want to challenge you to do that. A couple quick things to remember here. You notice um, it says, let your story speak for itself. Don't try to push an agenda. So, so once again there, I don't want you to feel the need to, um, to push any specific agenda. You don't need to have an altar call at the end or anything weird like that. You know, you don't have to um, ask for a sacrifice of animals, nothing weird, all right? Just, just let the story speak for itself. So Pastor Jeff did a great example here, right? He's like, my life changed when my son was born. And when my son was born, it made me realize a love that I, I didn't know I had inside of my heart. It also made me, it opened up a whole new dimension of God's love that I didn't know before. And, and he didn't, he wasn't pushing anything. He was just telling a story. And that's exactly what we're challenging you to do. Just let the story speak for itself. And then the last thing here is that most of us have more than one defining moment. And so you're more than free to share more than one of my life changed when um, stories. The other thing we'd encourage you to do is as you see these on Facebook and as you see this on Twitter, if you, if you see one that resonates with you, like it. Uh, because if we can like each other's videos at all of our campuses, um, that'll just create uh, a, kind of more of that momentum and the collective firepower that we talked about a little bit. So this is gonna be fun. And our hope is that every person who's a follower of Christ will get a chance to share uh, at least one my life changed when story. Now, here's the second challenge I'll give to, um, to a very specific audience. For those of you who right now are in a place where you're like, you know, this is neat and everything, but I'm not even sure if I believe in God. I, I am just, I'm investigating Christ. Um, I got invited by a friend, neighbor, coworker, and, and I don't feel comfortable doing this because I don't even know if I believe that there is a God, right? And if that's the case, that is totally fine. We do not want you to feel pressure to do anything that you're uncomfortable with. Um, but here's what I do want to say. I want to give you a specific challenge that in this series, I want to challenge you for the next seven weeks to lock in, okay? To be here for each week as we journey through this series. And here's why. I believe that as, as, as myself and the other campus pastors go to the Bible and we talk about the my life changed when moments, the moments that God oftentimes uses as pivotal points in our life, right? I believe that that's going to give you a fresh perspective, not only on God, but I also believe it's going to give you a f fresh perspective on your own life 
to see that your life is not just, it's not just a series of happenstance circumstances that are just thrown together. Your life is not an accident. And my hope is that through this series that you'll get a chance to see that. And so I just want to invite you to just investigate with us. Okay, no pressure. Just listen in if you want to. And I want to challenge you to do that. We believe that God does not waste anything. Pain, regret, joy. He wants to leverage it all. And if you'd be willing to, I believe that he can do that. Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to say thank you for the way that you're, you're working in our church. It's awesome. It, it's um, undoubtedly your Holy Spirit that is at work. And God, we're along for the ride. And I ask you that um, as we enter into this series together at all of our campuses, God, that you would open our eyes to the, uh, to the unique stories that you've placed in our hearts, God. You've given each one of us a unique story full of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Lord, I, I firmly believe with all my heart that you don't waste anything, that the pain that we feel does not have to be in vain, that the regret that we've experienced does not have to be in vain, that you can leverage that, that you can make miracles out of messes, that you can take the ugliest stories and make them into masterpieces. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. And Father, I pray that you would help us, God, to own our stories to watch you work through us in an amazing way. Because it's really at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about you. And it's about your work and it's about your glory being displayed through us. And so because of that, Father, we pray that at this campus and at all of our churches, all of our other campuses, that you would be lifted high in us, that you would be praised and glorified, not because of us, because of you and the good work that you've done in our lives. Father, the truth is that for those of us who claim your name, we're tokens of your grace. There is no good thing inside of us except for you, Jesus. And I pray that you would utilize this, this series, Father, to help us realize that. And Lord, I also wanna pray for those who are investigating you, who aren't sure where they stand with you, God. I ask you that, uh, that you would help them to engage in this series and, and to investigate. I pray you'd reveal yourself to them in a fresh way. Lord, we, we ask these things in the, in the name of Jesus Christ.